My name is Chris. I get to serve as the lead pastor here, and I'm honored to do so. We're in a series simply entitled, This Means War. If you've missed any of it, I encourage you to go back to epag.church or find it on our epag app or anywhere you find your podcast. You can always listen to it on the go. Let's jump right in this morning. Here's what we've established so far. Uh, number one, we have a real enemy, Satan or the devil, who is determined to attack God's plans and God's people. Uh, I said the first week of this conversation that there are people who are on both ends of the spectrum when it comes to all of this. Uh, Some people don't want to talk about spiritual warfare, demonic powers, evil, Satan, any of that whatsoever, and other people think everybody's got a demon. There, there seems to be some, some extremes in this conversation, and so we have attempted to look at Scripture and say there is a real war, there is a real enemy, uh, not everybody or every person or everything is demon-possessed, not everything is the devil, sometimes we just make stupid choices. Okay, we're going to have to do better than this this morning. I'm on my second cup of coffee. So, uh, yeah, we, we're not going to assume that everything is the devil, but at the same time, we're not going to deny that he is working. He is at work in our world. He is at work if he can be in our lives. He'd love to find an open door, whether it's in relationships or whether it's attack in some way. Secondly, we've established we must be strongly connected to the source of life, authority, and power. His name is Jesus. Uh, We will not be successful in this fight on our own. If, If you have not figured this out yet, I hope this doesn't bust your bubble today, but you are not strong enough on your own to win this fight. Uh, You don't have it all together all the time. You aren't perfect in all of your ways. Uh, There is only one, the Lord himself, who is. So we're going to have struggles. We're still living. If you remember uh, the circles we've shown a couple of times through the series, uh, we're still flesh, living in a fleshly world and a world that is dominated in many ways by the work of the enemy, the powers of darkness, and yet we're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. So what we want to do is grow to be more more led of the Holy Spirit, more empowered, always constantly overflowing with the Holy Spirit, and less full of ourselves. Because if it's more of Him, I'll be more like Jesus. If it's more of me, it'll be the exact opposite. Come on. It's okay to be honest about that today. There's a reason why just before the passage in Ephesians chapter 6, the Paul, Paul the Apostle in writing in Ephesians 5 says, be full of the Spirit. And he's not talking about just having this one-time occurrence where you experience goosebumps and some emotional supernatural experience and then you go on with life. He's suggesting that like a cup, just like that cup of coffee this morning, we should be continually full to overflowing. Come on, somebody. We need to be continually full to overflowing. Now, number three, God wants to equip us to stand firm and to fight against the attacks of the enemy. He doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want you to fall. He doesn't want you to give way to the things of the enemy. He knows those things aren't right for you, aren't good for you, aren't healthy for you. So God wants to lead your life. The, the biggest picture, maybe the best picture that we could find in Scripture is Jesus says, I am the shepherd. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He wants to provide care for us. The psalmist in Psalm 23 talks all about these different things that the shepherd does to guide our lives, to help us, to restore us, to give us rest, to lead us in our lives. And ultimately, the psalmist ended by saying, Surely His goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's this idea that if I'm in His care... I'm cared for. I'm taken care of. God wants to help us be successful in this fight. And ultimately what he's helping us to do is to, we talked about this last week, stand firm, stand upright and confident, not in ourselves, but in the power of God. That's why Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, but he wants us to stand firm in our salvation in Christ, in believing everything that God has already spoken to us, and then God also wants to help us to remember everything that he's promised that is even yet to come. Uh, 
that we will not relinquish. We will not give up ground. We will not give back to the enemy the things that God has freed us from and our life that is free in Jesus. We will press on in his power and stand confident in the Lord. Now, last week, we focused big portion of our time in the armor of God, and we talked specifically that our lives must be anchored in the truth of God. Our lives must be anchored in the truth of God. Uh, We could talk about the fullness of the armor of God, and there's obviously illustration with every portion of the armor of God, but ultimately so much of it comes back to God's truth. Jesus and his written word, because our salvation is assured in Christ and in the written word. Our thought life is transformed. We're renewed in our minds by focusing on the truth. Our faith is in Jesus and his words as a result of who he is. We share the truth with other people, and we stand firm in the truth of God despite all the other voices around us in this life. Our lives must be anchored in the truth of God. Now, let me have, I guess every week is a pastoral moment, but let me have a pastoral moment with you for a second to go just a touch deeper. Uh, Now is the time in this moment in life to immerse ourselves in Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. This is a moment in time, and I don't think I can stress this to you enough, this is a moment in time when you must be anchored in Christ and in His Word. This is not the time to play games with the Lord. This is not the time to be one foot in and one foot out. Uh, I'll, I'll call on Jesus when it's convenient for me. I'll call on Jesus just when I need Him. This is the time in our world today to live closely with the Lord, to walk closely with the Lord, to follow him and abandon every other one, every other thing that could distract us from following Jesus. If you were here a couple of weeks ago in the adult Bible study on a Wednesday night, I showed a video clip from an author that's well-known named John Bevere. If you've ever read The Bait of Satan, The Fear of the Lord, The Awe of God, uh, several different titles that he's written through the years. And in that clip, he, he draws out what Paul wrote about in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul uses the picture of marriage between a man and a woman to illustrate the picture of Jesus and his church. And in Scripture, Jesus is referred to as the groom, and we are the bride of Christ. I love what John Bevere says in that video clip, and if you want to watch it, you can find it on our our Facebook page, Chris-Amber Cleveland. We call that a dash, Uh, Chris-Amber Cleveland. You can find that clip. But in that clip, he talks about how in the natural, when a woman walks down the aisle, they they, they get engaged, a, a man and a woman, and she walks down the aisle, she's abandoning every other relationship in the past, And she's abandoning having any other relationship romantically with anyone in the future. He says, you know, you can imagine that someone proposed to a woman and the woman said back to the guy, oh, I am overjoyed at the reality that we're engaged, but back in high school, I dated this guy named Steve, and I just want five nights a year with Steve. And then, and then there was this other guy that, that I really liked, and we had a relationship along the way, and I, I really just want four or five nights with Randy. Now, you'll get 350 nights out of the year, but I want these 10 other nights, these 15 other nights with these other guys that I've known. That's not how it works, is it? None of us in this room would have said yes to such an agreement. It's silly. It's absurd. But the reality is there are a lot of people who come to Christ in this picture of marriage, and they say, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to follow Jesus and still play around with the world too. And his point in sharing that was, when that bride comes down the aisle, they're abandoning every other past romantic relationship and every other future romantic relationship for the cause of following Jesus. And I would suggest to you today that now is the time to do just that. That as the bride of Christ, as people who have said we're Jesus followers and we're committed to following Jesus, we need to abandon everything else, anything that would get in the way of following Jesus. We need to know the truth. We need to know the truth because it's by knowing the truth that we're going to recognize what's not true. 
I've shared before that when, uh, when bank tellers or others that are involved with cash, I know a lot of folks don't carry cash anymore, but when, when they have studied to recognize counterfeit money, they do not study the counterfeit money. They study the real thing so that they can then recognize the counterfeit. And the same is true in our lives. If we are going to recognize the counterfeit, uh, let me use different terminology that the Bible uses. If we're going to recognize false teaching, bad theology, lies of the enemy, even through people, then we have got to know what the truth is. And I would suggest to you today that false teaching is heavily on the rise. I I say this jokingly, but I also say it truthfully. If you've got a cell phone, you can create a YouTube account and make any video you want. You can go Facebook Live, you can go Instagram Live, you can do any kind of social media content. It's all out there and people are coming across it every day. And, And just because a person is charismatic, just because a person sounds good, just because it seems polished, just because it seems that they know what they're talking about does not mean it's true. The question is not those things. The question is, does it align with the Word of God? Because if it doesn't align with the Word of God and it's not in alignment with Scripture, it's wrong, God's not. I'll say that one more time. If it aligns with the Word of God, it's right. If it doesn't align with the Word of God, the people are wrong, God is never wrong. I hope you believe that today. I hope you understand the authority of Scripture. We must know truth because we're going to have to recognize the counterfeit. The Scripture is clear that in latter days, the increase of counterfeit, will there, there will be a lot of it. It will grow. There will be a lot more of this false teaching, false narrative, new gospel. Even counterfeit miracles have been spoken of in Scripture during the latter times. And I would suggest that we must be anchored to truth because we must be rooted in the Lord. I want to be careful because I think this kind of rhetoric can set someone up to think that it's just all doom and gloom, and that's not me. If you know me well enough, you know I'm probably more of the half uh, half glass full or even three quarters rather than half empty. And so I don't want to create fear, but I do want us to understand that the winds of trials and tribulations and challenges are coming. They're here and they're coming. I don't know what all's ahead, but I can suggest to you today that being a true Jesus follower will come with tests and trials. Uh, Part of that's just the journey with Jesus, and part of it is following Jesus sets you up to be an enemy with the world you're living in. Well, that that doesn't sound good. I, I love everybody. Well, but you love Jesus more. And Jesus said, don't be surprised when they hate you. Because they hated me first. And if you're really going to follow Jesus, there are going to be things about following Jesus that the world will not agree with. So we've got to be rooted. We've got to be anchored. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. You can write this down and go back and read it again later. It's not even in my notes, guys, so I'm not expecting it to be on the screen. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Listen to the description of the person who's following Jesus and paying attention to the truth of God's word. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. What's the point? In Psalm chapter 1, you have two different types of people. You have those who are living for themselves and living for the world and living for under the influence of the enemy. You have people who could care less about God and His Word. And you have other people who respect the Lord, who have a holy reverence for the Lord. We would call that fear of the Lord, not being afraid, but being reverent of God. They have that. And, and people who are following Him by paying close attention to His instructions and His law. And the Bible says plainly, and you can keep reading in Psalm 1, those who do not follow God and do not follow His Word will fall away. They're going to wither. They're not going to be fruitful. But those who follow Jesus and are anchored in the truth of God's word are, are planted or rooted in Christ. And there is a provision and nourishment of Jesus that brings about fruitfulness. And what we do prospers because we're following the ways of God. 
It's very important that we understand this. I don't know everything that's ahead, but I can tell you that the the enemy is certainly at work, and Scripture warns us very plainly that there is deception and false teaching, distortion of the truth of the gospel, and the divisive work of the enemy, and I believe that work will continue to grow during these days. I believe we've seen in the last three to five years more than we've ever seen before, and I'm going to tell you, I don't know that it's going to get prettier next year. Just being honest with you. The Bible warns us to be aware. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Notice what Paul is writing to Timothy long ago. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. It's God's Word. Long ago, telling us what would come. In 2 Thessalonians, there is a discussion about the man of lawlessness. We believe the fullness of the man of lawlessness in a person used of the enemy known as the Antichrist. We don't have time to get into all of end time prophecy today. But listen to what 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works... And he will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So this is ultimately going to play out in the grand conclusion of things with someone who is going to be used completely of the enemy. But context tells us some important thoughts about right now. And that is, number one, that Satan is already at work. Go back and read this passage of Scripture. It tells us that Satan is already at work, that the the mindset or the attitude of lawlessness is already at work in our world. It also tells us in 2 Thessalonians that right now there is a restraint on fullness of evil. And it's easy to understand in Scripture that if there is a restraint or something holding the fullness of evil back, you think it's bad now. Think about there being nothing holding evil back. There is currently a restrainer. It's easy to see that the church being present in this world today is what's fighting against the powers of darkness enabled by the Holy Spirit. We are continuing to say no to the the enemy and no to sin, but yes to Christ. And then it says that when this guy comes, he's going to be the one that works in accordance, in accordance with how Satan works. So Satan is already doing these things. Satan is already deceiving. Satan is already doing counterfeit things. Satan is already deceiving. That's in the passage we just read. And people are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3-5, through 5, you probably have heard this one. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, notice this next phrase, to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, but you... Talking to Timothy and also to Jesus' followers, you keep your head in all situations. Don't be swayed by whatever comes your way. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. What does it look like for someone to to live this way and for itching ears to be pleased? It looks like the minister who for the sake of nickels and noses will say whatever people want to hear to keep them. Well, you're giving money, and I don't want to rock the boat, so I'll keep saying what you want to hear. And the people, now before you get it twisted at ministers for being that way, notice it's the people in the seats are the ones desiring it. Pastor, I don't want you to step on my toes. Pastor, I don't want you to preach the truth to me that confronts any of my sin issues. I want you to tell me that God loves me and everything's okay. One of the greatest deceptions, I believe, in our world today, one of the greatest deceptions is that grace is just a license to do whatever you want to do. 
And I'm concerned that there are people being led to eternal separation from God because people are twisting the Word of God to fit whatever lifestyle we're living. I've heard it from people. You think, this sounds crazy. Who would do these things? But I've sat across the table from people who have looked at me and plainly said, well, that was written a long time ago. And this is a different day. So God must not really mean that. And here's the big lie. God wants me to be happy. So he's okay with whatever. And I'm saying to you, we don't want to be part of the bride that's cheating on the husband. We want to be a people who are wholeheartedly, fully committed to following Jesus. And even if it's confronting our sin issue, I want my life to change to fit the Word of God, and I don't want to change the Word of God to fit my life. And I don't want to become so caught up in pleasing people and being well-liked by the world I'm living in that I begin to distort and compromise the Word of God. Rather, like the author of Hebrews said, I want to be able to settle and be so rooted in the truth of God that I understand I may feel like a foreigner or an alien living in this world. Now's the time in the day that we're living to immerse ourselves in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit, in the Word of God. You're going to need, you're going to need that truth to dwell in you. So today is going to be a really, really, really practical message. From my pastor's heart to you today, I want you to understand that while this may feel a little bit like a game day to me, and I don't mean the Vikings, I mean church, uh, this might feel a little bit like a game day to me. The reality is every day we live is game day. And in many ways, your Monday is more of a game day than what today is. This is kind of the training session for you. This is the film study. This is the practice on the field. This is the equipping moment to get you ready to go out and live this every day of your life. I'm not interested in marking you on an attendance sheet today. I'm interested in are you really following Jesus with your life? Because there can be a lot of people in a church building that aren't Christians. Don't shout me down this morning. Let me start here. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. The Bible says, uh, both others and Jesus quoted this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So it's this picture that everything we are, everything we do, our, the whole of our lives is all about being all in, loving God and following Jesus. So we want to engage our hearts in the Word of God. We want to engage our minds in the Word of God. We want to engage our senses, even in the physical sense, we want to engage our senses, sight and hearing and speaking the Word of God. We talked last week that we must be anchored in the truth of God's Word. And so today we're going to look at how do we practically live that out. I don't think this is necessary, but I want to remind you just once more. Number one, we must recognize the importance and power of the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, you're probably familiar. All Scripture is God-breathed or inspired by God and is useful. Someone say useful. All right, that was pretty good. And useful or profitable or beneficial for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Your good works aren't just in this moment in this room or on this campus today. This is about God wanting to equip us of how to live everyday life in every decision and in every situation that we deal with. So, we are paying attention to his word because we recognize the importance and power of God speaking to us. There has been an all-out attack on the validity of the scripture. And I would suggest to you today there's a reason why there's an attack on scripture because if you begin to question its authority, if you begin to question its validity, you won't pay attention to it. 
If the enemy can get you to doubt it, if the world can come against it, whatever the case, there's a reason we pay attention to Scripture. It's not just another book. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a bunch of fables. It's not a bunch of just good ideas, even though it has inspired a lot of ideas all over the world, especially in Western culture. The Word of God is God Almighty speaking to us. It's a beautiful picture that over the course of multiple centuries, God orchestrated people to write the words of Scripture and it all correlates together. There's a reason. God wanted to speak to us. He wanted some certain themes to get down in our hearts and to be rooted and for us to live by it because it's not just a good idea. It's how God intended life to be. And that's why when we live it, we prosper. Is it okay if I preach just a little bit today? We must recognize the importance and power of the Word of God. We said last week, Hebrews 4.12, that the Word of God is alive and active. You want to grow, you want to grow to be more like Christ, nothing will search the motives of the heart and the thoughts of the mind. Nothing penetrates life to the core. Nothing directs our path the way the Word of God does. If you came to me today and you said... I want to hear the voice of God in my life. I would say to you, number one, that's great. There's no greater desire that we should have than to follow Jesus and recognize his voice. He said, my sheep know my voice. We want to know his voice. And I would say to you something similar to what I said last week, that if you want God to speak to you, don't just expect God to write something on the wall. He's going to come along and graffiti your house to get your attention. The one time I find in Scripture that God wrote on the wall, it wasn't even a good thing. So I'm not sure I want that anymore, okay? I've been there. I've had those moments in life where, I, God, I really need something so abundantly clear that there's no question mark, right? We've all been there. But ultimately, I believe God would say to us, if you want to hear my voice, start by leaning into my word and asking the Holy Spirit to lead you through it. Before I sit down in front of those scriptures, I'm number one, recognizing the power and authority of the word of God. I'm recognizing this is God speaking to me. And secondly, I'm asking the third person of the Godhead, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to illuminate and guide me as I'm reading so that the words of God will get into who I am and change the way I think and live and speak and act. The Word of God is alive and active. So if we recognize the importance and power of the Word of God, number two, then we must prioritize the Word of God. Sounds simple. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, you probably can quote it yourself. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. We can get so caught up in life's cares and all the things we got to do and all the things that we could potentially worry about. The, the portion of, of Matthew chapter 6 talks a lot about worrying about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat and all those different things. And, and he comes down to the, to the end of it and he says, Listen, if you will seek God... And put him first in your life that he leads everything. He'll take care of all the rest. You don't have to stress and worry. You don't have to get caught up and consumed in everything that's going on in your life. If you will practice priority with God, seek first. The word seek means to pursue. I'm not just waiting for God to get to me. I'm going to go after him. Come on, I'm not going to just wait for him to write on the wall. I'm going to seek out the way he's already spoken to my life. And then first, of course, is a priority to us. Here's, here's what I would say to us today. The issue in pri prioritizing the Word of God is not an issue of a lack of time. Every one of us have 24 hours in a day. The issue is a matter of what we prioritize in the way we spend our time. Because if you say, well, I just don't have time to read the Word of God, but you had time to binge watch every series on Netflix last week, it's not a matter of lack of time. It's a matter of how you're spending it. It always gets quiet in moments like this. I've never understood it. The issue is not lack of access. It's an issue of priority. I would suggest that we, especially as Americans, have more access to Scripture today than we've ever had before. 
there's still people in parts of the world that have never held a copy of the Bible. Give me a break. It's not a matter of access. You've got an app on your phone, or if you don't, you should. There's an app on your phone that will give it to you, and it won't just give it to you in English. You can read it in just about... There's an even a Hawaiian pigeon version of the Bible. I don't even know what it's saying, but it's Scripture. You can read it in every language. It'll read it to you. It's not an issue of access. It's an issue of priority. In fact, I think we've we've got so much access and we're so immersed in it that we don't pay enough attention to it. We've been desensitized to not prioritize the Word of God, and as a result, we're desensitized to what's actually going on in the world around us today. We've got to prioritize the Word of God. Now, I want you to read the entire chapter when you get a moment, and it'll take a few moments to do that because Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in Scripture. But I just want to pull out several years ago. It seems to be getting further, further, way back in the distance. I I came across this as a younger person, and it, it helped me understand if I really want to be quote-unquote successful in life, and I don't mean the world's definition, I mean God's. If I really want to do what matters, Psalm 119, beginning in verse 9, says this, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I want you to notice just these next few verses, how many action words there are in these verses of Scripture. And it's like this throughout the entire chapter. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Lord, I'm available. I'm, I want to hear. I want to learn. I want to grow. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. And here's the part I love. I will not neglect your word. Even if something else has to go. Pastor, you sound really dogmatic and, and maybe legalistic today about this. No, I'm, do you want the life-giving words of God? Or are you more concerned about what game's on TV this afternoon? Boy, it's really quiet. I will not neglect your word. So first, let me pull out a couple of things really quick here and we'll wrap up. First, it, it talks about Reading and meditating on the Word of God. So I want to challenge you today to read and to meditate on the Word of God. So reading and engaging and studying Scripture is probably pretty obvious to most of us. I would even add a couple of practical thoughts for you today. Make the Scripture, even a verse, even if it's the verse of the day on the Bible app, make Scripture the first thing you do before you even get out of bed in the morning. Before you open up all those other apps on your phone, it would be easy for us to spend 30 minutes at the front end of the day scrolling Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or X, or whatever it's called these days. It would be easy to go to those things. It's kind of our habit, right? We pull it out or we reach for it. I challenge you to go in your settings, particularly if you have an iPhone, and if you don't have an iPhone... um, Congratulations, you're being tracked too, no matter if you're Android or not. So uh, if you go into your settings on an iPhone, though, you can actually see how many times a day you pick up your phone. It's scary. It's become an attachment. And our tendency can be, if we're not careful, to reach for it early in the morning, like it's one of the first things, right? I got to see what somebody had for dinner last night, and Facebook will tell me. I got to get the latest gossip, and there's got to be some group on Facebook that will tell me, even in the Assemblies of God pastors groups. That's a different conversation for another time. Instead of reaching for all of those other apps on your devices first, start with Scripture. And then have those concentrated times with the Word of God when you're not having to speed read. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh man, I turned my alarm clock off, I snoozed it, I got up a little late, I want to get the scripture reading done, but I'm going to have to read it quicker this morning, so 
and you probably couldn't tell two words of what you just read. Um, we're a speed culture. In fact, you've heard me talk about one of my favorite books other than Scripture. is called An Unhurried Life. And the opening line of the book, the author says, I am a recovering speed addict and not the drug. We are a speed-oriented culture. We always seek out tools to try to get more done in less amount of time. How fast can we be productive? And I would tell you with God, that's not what he wants. In fact, uh, Bill didn't know my message today, but when he talked earlier about planting trees, or even if you talk about gardening in general, Jesus talked a lot about that. And if you don't know anything about gardening, you at least know that things don't all grow overnight. It takes time. It takes time. And it takes watering. And it takes cultivating. There's so many different pieces that go in with that. And so we want to develop in our lives a slowed rhythm of time with God's very words. We don't want to be a people who are just rushing through it to get it done. I, I would challenge you on a practical level, if you're reading and engaging the Word of God, listen to it in your car. We, we all probably enjoy great music. Hopefully you listen to some that's way better than others, but we often enjoy great music, but what if we get in and play the Scripture instead of the music? Not every time. You can still worship in your car. I'm not suggesting that. But let's not get so hung up on worship and define it as an experience that we forget to engage the Word of God. I could preach probably a whole different message on that, but worship is not about how you feel. It's about honoring Jesus. We've made worship out to be. How many goosebumps do I get? When we should be, is Jesus pleased with what we're doing right now? I got way off on that. Listen to the Word instead of music in your ride sometimes. Uh, read the Word of God, and reading it's just one part of it that brings encouragement. Notice that the psalmist said that we should also meditate on it. It's this idea of chewing on something, right? We continue to savor it. We contemplate it. We reflect on it. So some good questions to ask. What, what am I observing in this passage? And, and how does it apply to my life today? What does this speak about where I'm at, what I'm doing, what's happening? Uh, what is my prayer today to God that is based on what I'm reading and how it's applied to my life? What prayer of response do I need to pray as a, as a response to what I'm reading? And are there supplemental resources that can help you understand the Word of God. I, I think study Bibles are great. I think you better pay close attention going forward to what they say. Um, but study Bibles can be great. And you, if you've heard me talk, you know that I'm a big proponent of the Fire Bible. And if you have one, you know why. Uh, the Fire Bible is a uh, um, thoroughly Pentecostal study of Scripture and almost a, almost a, a commentary or, a, or, or some of things that you would learn in a, in a seminary uh, that, that would help you. And they're, they're being distributed all over the world. So we need to read, but we also need to meditate. Think on the Word of God. Second, here we go. Real quick, memorize the Word of God. The psalmist said, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Memorize the Word of God. This is a lost art. This is a lost art. We can memorize the lyrics to a song or the lines from a movie in a matter of seconds, but how, much of, how many of us are really spending time trying to memorize and absorb the Word of God? The younger you are, the easier memorization is. I'm not trying to critique you. I'm just telling you the truth. The younger you are. So if you're in the room today and you're a parent, you should be encouraging your children to memorize Scripture now. Now. Because when they get older, they're going to need it. Because the first thing that's going to happen when they walk on that university campus, if it's not a Christian university, and even some of those are questionable these days, but the first thing that's going to happen when you walk on a university campus is the professor's going to look at that student and say, I want you to forget everything your mom and dad ever taught you. I know because I've had students that that's exactly what they were told. They're going to have to have an anchor. They're going to have to be rooted. So parents, if your children are not in the process of learning and memorizing Scripture, this is a good time to do that. But anyone can memorize Scripture. And it's more, for, it's more than the purpose of being able to just quote it. It's more, more than, certainly more than just to appear spiritual or to, to achieve something. I remember, uh, Amber will remember this, my wife. Uh, we, were, we were youth pastors, part-time youth pastors early on in ministry. 
And I loved, still love, the, the couple that we worked with and worked for, and it was wonderful. But he knew this guy who had uh, memorized the entire book of Revelation. That's pretty incredible, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty intense. It was perfectly fine, except one whole service, it took him about an hour and a half, two hours to recite it all, and that was service. Now, I love to hear the Word of God, but sitting there for two hours for someone to recite the entire book of Revelation was a little tough. It was a little hard to wade through in that moment. What's my point? We're not doing it so we can show off. We're not doing it so we can reveal all of what we've learned to everybody else. It's to know it and to learn it and to be able to recite it and remember it. Scripture says we renew our minds, we strengthen our understanding. If you want your family to have a biblical worldview, engage Scripture. As you engage Scripture, that becomes the lens you see things through. I don't know everything about the eye, but I know when I take these glasses off, you just got blurry. I know that they help me see better because I have astigmatism. And, and at night, if I'm not wearing these, I don't know if I should even tell you all this, especially if any of you ever ride with me, but if night, if I don't have these on, the, the taillights are all sort, it's like a kaleidoscope. There's, there's lights everywhere around it. They call it the halo effect. There must be multiple angels because there's a lot of halos, Okay. Somebody said, well, which direction is your halo? Up and down or right to left? All the above. There's just halos everywhere. So I know that these help me to see clearly. They help me to see what's in front of me. They help me to engage in what I'm reading. And I know that when I read Scripture, it helps me to properly see what's happening in our world today and what God is still in control and doing over all things. So instead of looking at what's happening in the world and getting discouraged and worried and fearful or wondering what's next and getting caught up in trying to predict everything, rather I can just say, nope, the Word of God says God's in control and He's on the throne and I can trust in Him and still walk in peace no matter what chaos is going on around me. I don't need to get caught up in that. I'm not saying that there aren't signs. Jesus said plainly there are signs of what's to come. But I'm simply suggesting that as we read and absorb Scripture, as we memorize the Word of God, we can speak that over our lives. It becomes the lens of which we look through. We're able to use that Word to encourage others. We're able to increase our knowledge and wisdom, true wisdom that comes from God. We're able to increase our faith. The more we read of how God has responded throughout the years of creation, the more we're encouraged that no matter what I face, God's going to bring me through that. If I come up to the sea, he can, he can split it so I can cross it on dry ground, right? If I get to the mountain at 80 years old, I can say, Lord, give me this mountain, right? There, there's all sorts of things there. The scriptures go on and on and on to tell us a lot of encouragement and increases our faith. And ultimately, you have ammunition in your arsenal ready to use against the enemy. I've got to speed up. Recite and repeat the word of God. Recite and repeat the word of God. Read the word of God out loud. I encourage you, you can do that. Speak the Word of God out loud. Listen on the Bible. You know what? Do all of it at the same time. Open your Bible app. Let it read to you. You read it out loud with it, and you're reading it with your eyes at the same time. Engage three different senses. You can pray the Word of God. How many of you know what I mean when I say pray the Word of God? I grew up, my grandmother was a minister for more than 50 years. She was a powerhouse, a really faithful woman of God. In fact, she, she almost annoyed me as a kid, I'll be honest with you. She was so in love with Jesus and so in love with the Word of God that that's all she ever wanted to talk about. I don't think she had another channel on her TV other than Christian television. I mean, like, it was, it was all the time. And there was a common phrase that I would hear her pray or I would hear her say, and it was things like, Lord, your Word says... Lord, your word says, I'm praying this and I'm believing this because it came from God. Your word says, your authority, your power to accomplish it with your authority. Lord, your word says. Uh, for example, you turn the scripture into prayer. Lord, your word says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by you. So thank you, Lord, that I can trust you're going to lead me as I follow you. You will highlight my steps to take. Those are the things I'm talking about. Sometimes you need to talk to yourself. You need to recite Scripture to yourself. Now, I do that more than I'd like to admit, and I answer myself more than I'd like to admit. That's the sad reality of it. But there are some times when your feelings are going to lie to you, 
There's some times that the devil's going to lie to you. There's going to be some times when you're tempted. There's going to be some times when you're smeared. And there's going to be times you're tempted to smear other people you have issues with. And it's in those moments that you've got to talk to yourself and, nope, the Scripture says, this is how I need to respond. The Scripture says, I don't have to give in to that temptation because there is no temptation that is not common to man, but God gives me strength to go through this. I can depend on Him to bring me through. I don't have to get caught up in defending myself or trying to smear someone else to make them look worse to somebody else. I can trust that because I'm following Jesus, God will bring me through and He'll take care of the enemies. I can even pray for them and pray God's blessing over them. Ooh. How do you know if forgiveness is in your heart? Can you pray for your enemy? Just a thought. You can also recite the truth to the enemy. I don't have time to go down this road, but Matthew chapter 4, Jesus gave us the example. Enemy, when you're trying to speak lies to me, it is written. It is written. Nope, the Word of God says this, and that's what I'm standing on. You can repeat it with encouragement to others, conversations with skeptics and seekers. You can, you can even share Scripture on social media, but please, 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 please hear me out here. If you want to share something on social media, please don't make it about you keeping up your spiritual disciplines to be, to be great to everybody else. There's a great video that's circulating. Some of you may have seen it that talks about the difference, and I'm not suggesting this is true or not true, but there's a video that suggests that there's a difference between a man and a woman who's reading the Bible. Anybody seen this? The man sits down at the table, there's maybe a cup of coffee, and he opens the Bible and starts reading. The lady sits down, opens the Bible, opens the journal, gets out her highlighter, gets out her pen, lights a candle, pours her cup of coffee, and then starts reading the Scripture. I don't know how you do it, but I'm just simply suggesting that you don't have to do a selfie with your Bible open or everything in the right light. Uh, Jesus actually encourages us to not let our right hand know what the left hand or left hand know what the right hand is doing. The whole idea of what we do in secret, God will take care of in the public eye. We have to follow Him no matter who's seeing it. You can speak to the devil as well. I'll tell you this and I'll wrap up because uh, I'm well out of time. Uh, Chip Ingram, uh, minister of the gospel, tells a story about one night he was having nightmares and he wakes up and there was a heaviness in his room. I said last week I would touch on this. Some of you probably have never experienced that. Some of you have never been around maybe someone who's demon-possessed, but these things can be real. And he describes this time of waking up and, and there was a heaviness in the room. His wife was still asleep, but he woke up from nightmares. There was a clear indication that something wasn't right. And, and I'll never forget the way he tells it. He says, I looked over and I didn't know what my wife would think about me if she woke up and I was praying out loud back to this devil. But he got to the point, of course, after it happening repeatedly that he was determined, I'm going to fight this fight no matter what anybody thinks. And he began praying. And he began doing exactly what we're describing. And it was this understanding of, Lord, your word declares, an enemy you can't stay because the name of Jesus causes you to have to bow and flee. Uh, and he began to profess and pray over his home the truth of God's word. I'm going to tell you, if you ever get in a spot, it may not even be to this fullest degree, but if you ever get in a spot where something's not right, something's unsettled, something's going on, something doesn't seem to be godly, all you got to do is start calling on the name of Jesus. Start speaking the truth and letting the enemy know he is not greater than our God. That's all you've got to do. Lastly, live and practice the Word of God. We talked about it last week in Matthew 7. Hear these words and put them into practice. You can have the knowledge of the Word and not have the application of the Word. Listen to me closely. We do more harm to the kingdom of God in our local church when we can quote scriptures like Jesus, but we act like the devil. Even, even a moment ago when I talked about sharing with others, you know, the people that go in and, and you might hang scriptures in your, in your office space and all this, that's great, it's wonderful. But please, if, if you're going to do that, by the help of the Holy Spirit, live it. Because I'm, I'm not... I'm not so sure that it might not be worse to share and not live it than it is to not share and just live it to begin with. That people will recognize there's something different. 
The armor of God is about defense and offense and being engaged in the truth of God. We're defending what we already know is true. We're standing firm and we're combating the lies of the enemy. Would you stand with me today if you're in the room? I thought this message would be a lot shorter, but here we are. So let me just ask you these questions and encourage you to respond in this moment. Number one, can you understand today, and that's not a question of me insinuating some ignorance, this is just a, a question for all of us to make sure we're, we're standing firm. Why is the Word of God so important in our life? Do we understand the authority and the power of the Word of God? Number two, what area of our conversation today could you engage? What, what practical way, maybe today it's triggering some thoughts of a practical way that you can increase the role of the Word of God in your life? How can you spend some of that slow rhythm time with the Lord? How can you engage Scripture in a more frequent pattern in your day-to-day life? What practical way can you increase the role of the Word of God in your life? And number three, and I said this last week, I asked it last week, and I'm going to say it again. Is there an area of your life that God has already spoken truth that you've yet to follow? Because again, the goal is not to just hear it. The goal is to do it. We don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. I'm going to pray over you, and then I encourage you to stay and talk with Jesus as long as you'd like today. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to hear straight from you. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we're told we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can, we can talk with you, O oh Lord, that when Jesus died on that cross, the, the veil of the temple, the old system was rent in two from top to bottom. You made a way for us to know you and to know you personally and to know you more. So, Lord, I pray we take advantage of that opportunity. We walk in relationship with you. And in the process of doing so, we will become more rooted and grounded in your truth, anchored no matter what life brings our way. Help us to take some practical steps this week to engage your word, maybe even more in our lives, to listen closely for your voice to speak to us. And Lord, if there are things in our lives that you're speaking to us already, help us to follow. Help us to be not just hearers of the word, but doers. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray that you would bless and keep this people. and You would make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Turn your countenance, your favor ever in their direction and grant them your peace, I pray. Go with us and keep us as we follow you and seek you first in our lives. In Jesus' name.